Entrepreneur Circle is an on-air brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle with Eric Cabral. On this episode... If you can't figure out what the product is when they're offering these things, you are the product. Uh, Give us your information, and uh, we'll give you this free. Okay, so what are you selling? What's What's the catch? Yeah, what's the catch? Okay, well, you're the product, my friend. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. My goal is to inspire you by chatting with entrepreneurs about their successes, their failures in life and in business. I am your most humbled host, Eric Cabral, a real estate investor, a creative, and I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years. Got my start in New York City as a junior art director, made my way to the top of the corporate ladder and realized there was the proverbial glass ceiling. So I hung up my corporate hat and started my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using podcasts and social media marketing, along with the help of my other company, PodMax, which hosts live and virtual events for top performing entrepreneurs to get them on podcasts and to learn from our keynote speakers and our massive network. So to learn more about that event, hit up podmax.co and sign up for the next event. They're happening each and every month. So as always, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with two to three of your friends to continue growing our community and to help others grow from the knowledge shared here and learned here on this podcast. And before we jump into the show, I'd like to share some of what our sponsors, partners, and good friends have to offer you. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. Well, that was one person's advice. I was I read so much stuff, but one person was just saying, become an expert at something, no matter how small it is, and just yeah. become an expert for that particular niche. And it yeah. could be a niche of a niche. Yeah. But you become the expert for that part. Like you say, if it's just reptiles. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. And you become the expert. You know any and everything about that. Yeah. Uh, and then you start from there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many people out there. They're gonna, someone's going to be interested in that micro niche of whatever it is. Of course. That's the great yeah. thing we've learned from the internet. Pretty wild. But yeah, the show has started, my friend, because this is, I love, I love starting conversations and then we just go right into it. So folks, on today's show, I have a good friend of mine, Mr. Cardwell Thaxton of 
the Cardwell Thaxton Group, which is a developer, it's a real estate developer, developing company, specializes in renovating existing existing buildings and putting them back on the market for sale or for rent. Uh, you have a lot on your resume too, brother. There is, uh, you know, you're a licensed real estate appraiser for over 20 years, roughly. Working, we work closely with lenders and attorneys and mortgage companies and investors. That's how we met through our South Jersey RIA, South Jersey Real Estate Investors Association. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, thanks for for being a part of it. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. I know there are a lot more interesting people out there than me, and uh, you're always interesting. The fact that uh, the fact that you've given me this time, and I is truly appreciated. No, really, I appreciate truly you. appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. you. You're always there. You're always very supportive, and uh, yeah, we always have good conversations. So yeah, let's let's jump into your story here. So I I have a, a question that hopefully will spark some some feelings and memories back. Uh, so let's let's talk about what it was like in the Thaxton household when you were having dinner? What was it like at the dinner table? Oh, wow, you're gonna take me way back to those days. Uh, well, but as a matter of fact, back in those days, you had done it together as a family. And I was like, it's, it's 6.30, you know, you're gonna call the kids in and it's time to eat, that sort of thing. But I grew up in a working class family, Eric. Um, you know, my father was a bricklayer. My mom was a, what, what they called in those days, a homemaker. Uh, for most of the time that I grew up in the house, I had, uh, there were six kids, all right? Uh, when I was 17, my mom had the seventh kid. But by then, I was kind of working my way out. You know, had a little job at McDonald's, making my own money, kind of had a life. So when, as he was growing, as the youngest was growing up, I was kind of moving on out. But so there were six kids. Uh, father was uh, a brick mason. Okay, and uh, basically, I was just taught that the questions went around work, going to school, getting good grades, and eventually getting a good job and moving out. Yeah. <laughs> My sisters and brothers and I joke about the fact we were raised to leave. <laughs> it's not, no, you're not going to be 37 years old living in the basement. <laughs> no, 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 there's none of that. So we were raised to leave. Yeah. yeah, 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 and somebody else maybe could get that room, <laughs> get that bedroom. We have to good. share a room. That's good. So, yeah. what do you remember when you were inspired to leave, and you knew, okay, in order to do that, I have to work, I have to hustle. What were one of the first things that you did uh, to make money? Well, growing up, I always did things to make money because that was so drilled into me. You know, with so many kids and everything, we couldn't get fashionable things. Uh, or the trendy items. My mom didn't care about fashion. She shopped price. So, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't dress like the cool kids based on what mom was buying me. I had to make my own money if I wanted to, to uh, you know, wear fashionable clothes and, and uh, at least be accepted, halfway accepted by all the cool kids. So I, I did different things growing up, you know, mowing lawns, shoveling snow in the wintertime for people. I had a, 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 maybe about three or four people that were my regulars as far as doing their lawns every couple of weeks and uh, shoveling snow, that sort of thing. Uh, I had a wagon for a few years. I would go down to the, um, one of the major grocery stores and, and just hang out there and, and help people carry their groceries home. So going in, I'd ask if you needed any help. And, you know, okay, well, I can get this kid. He has a wagon. I can get this kid. 
they help me carry the groceries home. So I can actually buy more than I can carry. I can actually get a week's worth of groceries now because he can put my five or six bags in his wagon. And yeah. So I made money doing that. Uh, I guess my, so I was always looking for a hustle, always hustling. Some things worked, some things didn't. My dad wouldn't let me uh, deliver papers because he says work all week. And then the, then the kids uh, just wait for you on the collection oh, day and then rob you, beat Jeez. you up and rob you. So he, he wouldn't <laughs> let me do that. That was smart. <laughs> That's good advice. Finally, I turned 16. And I got a great job at McDonald's, you know, a real job where you punch in and you get a paycheck every week. And it was cool because all the cool kids hung out at McDonald's on Friday evenings, Friday nights, you know, you go to the parties or, or whatever, and it ended up at McDonald's. So I, I was a cool guy at that particular time. So finally got a job, man, and eventually moved out from that. Um, eventually, I moved into sales. Once I went to college and everything, I started moving into uh, more sales-oriented jobs. And probably the one that had the biggest influence on me was a job for one of the chains in the DMV, which is the District Maryland of Virginia. Uh, they were more like what a Circuit City or Best Buy is today. And uh, that's where I, I learned how to be a salesperson. And for years, that's what I was involved in, sales. Even after I got out of college with my accounting degree and business degree, it was sales. Yeah, um, which, which company did you say? Which electronic store? Well, I was saying the, the company's not around anymore. Well, what okay, was it? but they they were they were like what what we know today as a Best Buy. It wasn't the Wiz or, or, or no, no. The name of the company was George's, and I think they had okay. like seven or eight stores in the District, Maryland, Virginia area. Gotcha. Yeah, it was just a local local chain, but they sold everything, major appliances. So you didn't grow up? I thought you grew up in New Jersey. You grew up in Maryland. No, I'm I'm actually from. Well, my parents are from Virginia. They uh, moved to Washington D.C. I guess. When I was about four. So I'm actually, I can claim to be from D.C. I grew up there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come to Jersey until 91. Actually. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. By way of Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, I spent a few years in Atlanta. Okay. All, all on the East Coast. Yeah. 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 And sometimes I look back and think, man, maybe I should have kept going uh, to the West Coast. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, may have hooked up with one of those uh, techno technology companies or something. Who knows? <laughs> but I got as far as the Mississippi and came on back and settled in Atlanta. Gotcha. So you you were in D.C. and then Atlanta. And then when you made your way to, were you always in real estate back then? Or, or was that a New Jersey thing? Oh, no. No, I've only been in real estate for about 20 years now. Uh, actually... I was in cable in the very early days of cable. Uh, but this was back when we were knocking doors, trying to persuade people to pay for television. Okay, and of course the number one the number one objection was, I get five channels for free. Why would I pay for television? That is crazy. <laughs> okay, that is that crazy. Yeah. Can you imagine it? Yeah, the the time when people didn't realize they needed, or there was there was some value behind having hundreds of channels right right yeah right yeah that's funny yeah the selling point back then was the specialization of each network yeah you could get something for the kids you had the lifetime network for women uh you had the playboy channel <laughs> ecstasy i remember hbo was the big seller. yeah well I hbo remember, right? was the big seller and uh the fact that you could watch movies and everything uh uncut yeah uh no commercials and then Showtime came in right behind them, and they 
I think those were the pillars. Yeah. They really started everything else as far as premiums. If you drive past motels, they still have the sign out, HBO free. You know, they haven't updated it since the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> free HBO. Uh, like, that's a selling point to go to the motel? Well, yeah. because And then some will say Showtime free. They don't have the HBO, but they do have the Showtime. So, if you, if, you know, if you're following their programs, those are the ones you want to see. <laughs> but I remember that. I remember being simply, oh, man, I think I was in elementary school. So this will speak my age. And um, and a kid saying, man, there's going to be this thing. It's called cable. And we're going to be able to watch Jaws 3. And, and there wasn't even a Jaws 2 yet. Uh, it was only the first Jaws. Oh, he was a was visionary. Like, what are you <laughs> <laughs> so it was just unbelievable to me. And then I remember when... We finally got it. You remember the box where sure. it had the cable attached sure, to it? Sure. Remember and yeah. it had the little button, yeah. the tactile button. Absolutely. And then uh, I remember my dad watching George Carlin. Oh. And he started swearing. Yes. And I couldn't believe my ears. I'm like, oh my god, I'm hearing swear words, and it's not coming from my dad's mouth. It's coming <laughs> from television. And then there was nudity, like you said. There was a show called Bizarre with John Byrne. Do you remember that? No. On Showtime. I remember, I remember and, John Byrne. But I don't remember that show. It was a variety show, okay. like the Gong Show, okay. except uh, it was on Showtime. Okay, and and there was nudity and there was laughing. You know, it was it was a crazy show. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, yeah, I remember those days. But I I don't remember it being a hard sell from your perspective. It's it's kind of similar to to now where you you coming through with Podmax, you know, and and, and anything in the podcasting industry is a sell because it's new, so people don't understand. Oh, right. What am I getting out of yeah, this? Right. Yeah. It's kind of similar every time there's something new, and then you know, five years, ten years from now, we'll go, oh, that's a no brainer. Of, of course, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I buy that? People were actually debating. Right. So, right. Right. It's something we well, can't live without now, but we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know that we couldn't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. Can you imagine? Well, we we've since cut the cord. Cardwell, you know, we don't have cable, we don't pay for it, but we pay for internet and we just stream. So I can't imagine a time where, you know, something else is going to come along and say, hey, well, you don't need that. Do this instead, you know. Yeah, well, the technology changes so quickly. I have videotapes, okay, uh, what, VHS tapes. I guess I'm going to have to go to a Goodwill or something and find a VHS player if I ever really plan on looking at those. I have again. one. Okay. I have if you need it. It yeah. still works. Yeah, well, good for you. Uh, <laughs> records. And, you know, and, and, records. And albums, records are actually making a comeback. They're audio files that really swear yeah. by vinyl and yeah. really swear by the sound quality and everything that comes from vinyl. I, yeah. I sold my collection uh, several years back. I just got tired of hauling them all around the uh, East Coast, yeah. you know, with my different moves. But uh, it's just amazing. Cassettes. Cassettes, yeah. I remember in college, in college, my goal was to finally make enough money that I could buy a reel-to-reel with sound on sound, sound with sound, reverb, you know, with those big, huge reels on them. And, yeah. and uh, with auto reverse, I could play music the whole weekend. You know, by the time <laughs> I finished college, the hot thing was cassettes. Yeah. You know, you could do almost all, all of that right. on cassettes. So that's what I never did get the reel to reel, the TAC. You know, that was the big thing, <laughs> man. Get a TAC. Hey, build 18 inch reels. And I hold it. Never did get it. 
But now I have a, I, I know a, a huge box full of cassettes that I spent a lot yeah. of time recording music. Oh man, I, I upgraded from cassettes to CDs at some point. Okay. And I must have sold a collection of hundreds of cassettes, hundreds and hundreds. And and I, I, I traded them in for a stack, a, a, a small stack of CDs. That's how expensive CDs were. Mm -hmm. Remember, they were like $25 for one album. Okay. So I had to sell 10 cassettes in order to get one CD. Yeah. So I literally got rid of an entire collection of music to just to get maybe a dozen CDs. Upgrading, <laughs> keeping up with the technology. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, 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 keeping up. I don't, it hasn't, it hasn't moved since, since, uh, since everything went digital and you could just download music. I remember that was a difficult transition. Yeah. You know, yeah. downloading music. Yeah. Who, 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 who wants to do that? I have CDs. I have a collection I spent thousands of dollars on. Yeah. Yeah. And now you can put your whole collection on your, pretty much on your phone if you want. On your phone. Yeah. So what, so when you were selling cable, was there any other, uh, what was the next iteration of your sales experience? Were, were, were you selling anything else that was difficult or? Well, I stayed in cable for a life. long time. Uh, eventually you didn't need people to knock on doors and persuade people uh, to get cable. So the next level was selling advertising time, selling advertising spots. That's still tough. On cable, okay? And once again, it just comes down to the specialization. If you're trying to reach this audience, if you're trying to reach men, 18 to 54, we want to put your spots on ESPN. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to reach women of a certain age, uh, a certain demographic, well, we want to put your spots on Lifetime. Yeah, you know? uh, just just different things. So it became a matter of then of learning how to sell the businesses. Yeah, and uh, maximizing their money. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I need some advice from you. So because podcasts pretty much. You know, the, the modern day radio. How, how would you sell? What were some of your techniques on selling airtime? To be honest, Eric, that was so damn long ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, they don't, even, they don't even need you. They don't need salespeople for that anymore. I think they do. It's still tough. Well, it's still tough because you're not selling anything tangible, right? You're selling some something out in the ether, just, just floating around in space. Right, right. Yeah. And it's still specialization. I think everything now yeah. has moved over to the social networks. So yeah. uh, Facebook has to has to focus on that now. You're trying to reach a certain demographic. Mm. Uh, and, and I guess, I don't know, they're having a little trouble with that now because of the, uh, yeah. with all these, uh, these hate groups and everything. And, yeah. uh, so you can't, you can't target, drill down right. as much as you could maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. You could be real specific on Facebook a couple of years ago, but they, they kind of right. backed off of that now. Yeah, all so, the privacy issues. Yeah. Well, that and uh, just like I say, with the different hate groups out there and everything, um, they just realized that um, we can't do it that way anymore. But Facebook knows everything about their people. So oh, yeah. it's easy to figure yeah. out the, the demographic you want. Because the great thing about Facebook is when people sign on, they tell Facebook everything about them, about themselves, <laughs> education, yeah. where they live, everything. Everything, how old they are, when their birthday is, so Facebook can send them a happy birthday thing. <laughs> Everything. If you want educated women, uh, you know, uh, between 27 and, and 50 with a four-year degree, <laughs> well, Facebook says, we got it. We got oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 And what's brilliant about them is they, they continue to buy other companies to expand their footprint, like yeah. Instagram, and, you know, they, they just use their data 
to spread out to more and more people. It's pretty wild yeah. how they're doing it. Yeah. And and it's it's also interesting that most people aren't aware by using it, you know, it being free means that they are the product. Well, that's they're just the it. You said sold. it. Yeah. You said it. If you don't have to pay, if you can't figure out what the product is when they're offering these things, you are the product. All right. Give us your information and uh, we'll give you this free. Okay. So what are you selling? They don't yeah, what's the catch? Yeah. What's the catch? Okay. Well, you're the product, <laughs> my friend. You're the product. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so you sold cable, you sold radio, any, anything else before you got into real estate? Well, right before I got into real estate, I was a fundraiser for the United Way. Mm, All right. Gotcha. And uh, at that point, my then wife was uh, into mortgages, and she thought that she might be interested in being an appraiser. All right? So she took some of the classes and things and tried it and decided it wasn't for her. But Eric, she said to me, you should look into this. You know, you like numbers. You would probably like this appraisal thing, so look into it. So I took her advice, and I did. And I said, okay, okay, I do like this. Let me take the classes. So I ended up taking the classes. I passed. Uh, now the challenge is you have to find a mentor because to become an appraiser, you have to serve a two-year apprenticeship before you can sit for the state exam. Mm. All right. So that was the next challenge because everyone, you know, you, you might be in this business, you know, your business for 25 years, but it doesn't mean you're a good teacher or a good coach. Everyone's not cut out to be a teacher or a coach. It's, it's time consuming. Uh, some of the some of the things you hear back from these guys that don't want to do it is what well, you end up doing work twice. Uh, and uh, it just consumes too much time. And then people want you to pay them. <laughs> so uh, everyone's not cut out for it. So it, that's the biggest drawback right now for people is finding a, a mentor because you have to mm. put in at least 2000 hours of guided work. And uh and that ends up being about two years, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but two years. And then you're able to sit for the exam and go from there. So, yeah, so I eventually got a mentor and I sit for the exam. Uh, and then I was able to live my dream, which was to start my own business. Uh, and uh, that started my entrepreneurship. Gotcha, gotcha. So it was many years in the making, but it was always in you, right? You always had that entrepreneurial bug. Well, that's the one thing I recognize now looking back. You know, the problem is you, it, it, you can't uh, connect the dots. You can only connect the dots when you look back. <laughs> it's hard to connect the dots looking forward. But when you look back, you start connecting the dots and you realize that, yeah, that was always in right. me. Back when I was trying to put together a little uh, uh, list of uh, customers to cut their lawns yeah, or a list of customers to shovel their, their walks, you know, in the wintertime and things. That little entrepreneurial thing was always in me. Yeah. Uh, but I was brought up in a family where you just, it was drilled into you. You have to get a job. You know, you get a good education, go to school, get good grades and get a job, get a job, get a job. You know, I guarantee you Donald Trump didn't tell his three kids that when they were sitting around at the dinner table. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, there was no, I'm sure he did not tell them you have to get a job. Right. 100%. Okay. Uh, but that's what was drilled in my head. Yeah, yeah. So when you got into it and you realized, okay, this is my calling. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Were there any habits, rituals you had to create? Any books you started to read? Tapes, you know, pulling out any Tony Robbins cassettes? So was there anything you had to do to sort of get into a mindset of an entrepreneur? Well, all of that. Those people, you know, Tony Robbins, yeah, you know, if we're in this space, yeah, Tony Robbins definitely floats through. Okay. 
the biggest influence for me is Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich. As a matter of fact, I'll come back to it every couple of years just to refresh my, my memory. And I enjoy it so much. And now you can listen to it on audio. So audible.com is a big thing for me. I listen, I go through a book a week just on audible.com. And, uh, but Think and Grow Rich is the one. The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two big influences. And then, of course, the, the four-hour work week, uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, the, the ones that you always hear. Uh, but Think and Grow Rich was the one that opened it up. Yeah, yeah. You ever hear of uh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? That's Napoleon yeah. Hill. Have you read that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've been through his whole catalog. Yeah, yeah. That, one, that one's that yeah. was a mind-bender for me, that one. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Well, Napoleon Hill... That guy was amazing. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to have to put outwitting the devil back into the rotation. <laughs> honestly, well, yeah. honestly. It's funny because I actually read that before, Thinking Grow Rich, because at the time it had just been released, like his estate sat on it for 100 years, mm-hmm. right, because of the controversy. And finally, I think they were like, okay, when, when he's gone and when the, the wife is gone, and then it was like, Ben, okay, let it out. But uh, yeah, it, 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 I needed it, especially if you're coming, like you said, from that W-2 employee mindset. Like I always, what, that was my mindset to reprogram yourself. You need these books. You need these things to like connect the dots. Like, yeah, and, yeah. It's like, wait a second. I have to, I have to undo everything I was taught. Exactly. Exactly. And, and step out on faith because the people who loved you taught you something different. Okay. And you're going to step out on faith because you start realizing that people out here who are doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I can model them. Just do what they say do. Mm-hmm. And when you move, I move. That sort of thing. So Think and Grow Rich, the four-hour work week, those, they, they opened up some my mind. Hello, this is Josh McCown, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. I'm curious because you, you you said something that I, I, I identify with, you know, sur- being surrounded by friends and family who aren't ready to take a leap or not interested in being an entrepreneur or business owner. How, how did you handle that transition and and explaining to them or did you? Did you just move along and not expose yourself to as much of what they were saying? How, how did you how did you handle that? Uh, well, explaining it to, to them. No, I didn't do that. Uh, I just just followed my dream, actually. And what you what you realize later on is people kind of admire that, especially if you're successful. Now, <laughs> if you followed your face, it's like, mm, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Uh, but 
if you're successful, people admire that. The fact that you did something different. All right. Uh, going to college, getting a college degree, starting your own business, you know, as opposed to just mindlessly getting a job somewhere and, and putting in your 25, 30 years doing something you hate just to pay the bills. So I guess it was just it was just in me all the time. I was always looking for some kind of way to have a side hustle. I knew I had to have a job, but I thought, well, maybe I can get a little side hustler, make extra money that way. Because even when I was younger, I would have a job and then a part-time job, always trying to do to make some money, maybe a retail job, maybe uh, during the Christmas holidays, you, you, you get a little part-time seasonal mm-hmm. job, okay? So it was always a, looking for a way to make more money. But like I said, it was always in me to have my own thing. Yeah. And once I got that appraisal license, especially having my mentor as an appraiser who had his own business. Mm. And here's a model right here in front of me. It's not a book. Okay. It's not someone in a movie. Here's a guy who has his own business as an appraiser. And I'm working directly with this guy. All right. So now it's just a matter of getting out here and finding my own customers, my own clients yeah. and doing it. All right. Mm. And uh, just stepping out on faith. Yeah. So how, how important or integral was your wife to the process? You know, you say she was accustomed to you being, you know, an employee and working jobs and steady income. Well, now you're breaking out into your own thing. It's going to be a bit unpredictable. How, how was she at home, you know, supportive or otherwise? Well, that wife. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I could hold up my end, it was fine. Okay. So, yeah, as long as I could hold up my end. So, like I say, I'm a hustler. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I have to do to bring in the money. Okay. And if that's working 24-7, you know, uh, then that's what I have to do. But I'm going to hold up my end uh, because it's just the way it's always been. We're going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not going to be on any public assistance or anything. I'm going to pay the bills. Uh so that was not so much of an issue, okay, with that one. Uh, the one after that, <laughs> I think that was part of the breakup because I was really uh, focused on getting this business up to where it was. Uh, I could make a six-figure income. You know, I could make a grown-up grown, a grown up money. Yeah. Okay, before I was doing okay, but I really, that uh, you know, six figures, that you just have a goal. I need a goal out there. And that was the thing. You have to hustle. You have to, you know, you have to get out of here. You have to go to these different conventions and things and make, make uh, contacts and shake hands. And, and, you know, I'm sure the same thing you had to do to get your, your, your thing off the ground here. Uh, you have the different conventions to go to and things like that. And focus, focus. You have to deliver. Okay. I can't make promises and not deliver. So, I think that was a little tough. I mean, at one point she even said, you know, I think you like your clients more than you like me. Mm. No, not really. It's, it's, it's 50-50. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, because I'm 24-7 working, you know, and you kind of, as time goes on, you have to learn how to put things in order. Yeah. You know, if, if I promise I'm going to get something out to you, you want to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Uh, so yeah, it kind of put a strain on that particular relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really identify with that. You know, I heard somebody say to me once that we tend to give everyone, all of us, and then give our family, the rest of us, you know, whatever's left. And I always try to replay that in my mind when I do that. It's tough, right? Especially when you're working, like you said, 24 seven, 
You get home after a long day's work of hustling and shaking hands and smile from you know ear to ear. You kind of want to just be yourself, let it all go, and it's unfortunate, right? You're, the, the tank is empty, and, and then they get the rest. So what do you sort of do now, you know, the, the Cardwell Thaxton 3.0 that sort of mitigates that, you know, to keep a sort of balance in your life? <laughs> what do I do now? Prayer, meditation, exercise. Uh, and, well, the great thing now about Zoom is, you know, families can get together now almost. You have a family reunion every Sunday at 3 o'clock, right? <laughs> family reunion, yeah, we'll get on Zoom and, just, and meet. Yeah, that's the great, that's that's the one thing we have learned with this pandemic yeah. and things. People are learning about that Zoom is the blessing, yeah. and getting together. But, but yeah, prayer, meditation, exercise, and... Uh, is this daily? Basically being with people who have the same mindset, okay? Uh, if your goal basically is to put in your 25 years at the company and then uh, retire, and your uh, definition of retire is don't do anything, uh, you're not going to probably understand a person who's an entrepreneur, okay? Uh, there's, there are a lot of definitions of an entrepreneur, but one of the things that I've heard is that an entrepreneur is a person who will who will work 80 hours a week for themselves so they don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. Yes. Okay. And uh, so that person is going to be totally different from the person that's trying to uh, put in their their uh, nine to five uh, living for the weekend life. Okay. It's five o'clock Friday. I'm not going to do anything until 8 a.m. Monday, you know. And, and in the meantime, I'm, I'm hooked up with somebody who's just working, 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 working. Uh, it's hard to work, even though people will say, oh, I understand you have your own business and, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Well, okay, you say you do, but you really don't. You really don't. So that that is tough. So basically to answer your question, I I try to to, uh, stay around like-minded folk. So if I'm going to date you, you probably have have your own business uh, or you're trying to do something on the side. You're a hustler. You like to be around hustlers and you understand the whole thing. Yeah. Speak the language. Yeah. Yes. That's that's the yeah. thing that's, you could tell right away when you're having that conversation around the water cooler or the barbecue, whatever, it's like, oh, okay, we vibe. If not, you know, I'm going to go look for the next person to have a little chat with because uh, it's hard, right? It's like speaking, it is like speaking a different language. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. And it's a totally different mentality from that person who's that nine to five living for the weekend mentality. Mm-hmm. Okay, because yeah. we don't really care about that. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at me and say, damn, it's Wednesday. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember. And, and, and if you're calendar driven, yeah. uh, okay, it, it's, does it really matter to you that, that the appointment is at 1.30 on Saturday yeah. versus the appointment being at 1.30 on Wednesday? No. Right. No, if it's on my calendar, we're going to do this thing. Right. You know, this whole thing of shutting off at 5 o'clock on Friday and not turning back on until uh 8 a.m on monday it's tough it's funny when when someone says you know oh thank god it's friday or oh god i dread mondays I'm, i can't tell the difference to be honest yeah, <laughs> the, the yeah. days all blend in at this point yeah, yeah. When, when like you said you're working all the time yeah but we love it that's why we work all the time oh, but i want i want to speak about something that i know you're really good at because i've witnessed it over you know the past few years of knowing you is your networking abilities and the power of networking why do you choose to network often and 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 why 
yeah, why do you do it? And, and, and give us some tips on, on your strategies when you go network. Well, I heard several years ago, your network equals your net worth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. It doesn't matter who you know. What matters is who knows you. <laughs> I love that. Right. I, 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 I get referrals now. People will call me for appraisals. Uh, how did you hear about me? Oh, well, so-and-so uh, told me that you're an appraiser and I should give you a call. I don't know so-and-so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know this person. Wow. You know, but I don't know. Somehow or another, they, they know about me. And if you Google my name, okay, I think there's at least a page and a half just a card well Oh, wow. Well, yeah, you do have a cool, uh, unique name, too. So. Well, that's just it. You can't mix me up with nah. other people. Now, Google your name. Yeah. There's several. Especially this one guy in real estate, except he's not an investor. He's a he's an agent. Uh-huh. But, yeah, people get mixed up. They're like, oh, you know, there's an Eric Cabral who's in real estate. I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't do what I do. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a couple. There's yeah, a couple. Who knew that? There were, yeah, there's about eight Eric Cabrals. I know, It's crazy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, I'm going to change my name to Cardwell Cabral. <laughs> <laughs> make sure they spell it correctly. Yeah, exactly. uh, a lot of people want to make it Caldwell, C-A-L-D, oh. as opposed to C-A-R-D. Gotcha. But I'm used to yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just learned early on, you just need to get out here and meet people. And, because uh, once they know about you, okay, you're in. And especially with, with a name like that. I was with... Uh, uh, my photographer about three weeks ago and in the middle of our shoot, she gets a call and, uh, she said, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of a shoot right now. I'm with a guy. You need to get to know him. All right. He's, he's into real estate. You should get to know this guy. His name is Cardwell Thaxton. And the lady says, Cardwell Thaxton, he, he's a realtor, isn't he? Hmm. She said, yeah, you know about she says, yeah, I've heard of uh, him. Oh. You get around. You get around, my friend. <laughs> well, that's great. That's what it's all yeah. about. You know, that's why I'm out here shaking hands and spending so much money on marketing yeah. and everything. So people know I want my name to be the first one that pops up. All right. Yeah. 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 yeah let's call this. And you you got a great personality too. I think that's key. A lot of people out there don't realize it like, you know, I, I go network, I, I get sponsorships and tables at conventions and meetups and, you know, I don't really see any results. Well, a lot of it has to do with your personality. You know, you have a great personality, you're memorable, you ask questions, you're genuinely intrigued and interested by, you know, other people and what they have to say, you know. So I think a lot of people who are out there not finding networking effective, well, you really have to look within, right, and figure out, okay, what am I doing that may not be coming across beneficial for me? So, you know, you, you, I think it just comes natural. Were you always naturally sort of approachable? Yeah, yeah, always. Uh, matter of fact, I probably have to tone it down. So. <laughs> How uh, so? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too flirty? I've seen, you, I've seen you flirting too at times. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty subtle, but I'm like, look at Cardwell. <laughs> well, maybe it could come it could come off flirty if it's an attractive woman, I guess. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you're insane. <laughs> yes, that is okay, true. Okay, you're insane. It is very true. Okay. And you learn you have to learn how to close. <laughs> and you have to learn how to ask closing questions right. and learn how to get to the real objection. Right. Okay. That's that's the deal in sales. You have to get it. what's the real objection yes. here? Okay. And people don't buy based on logic. People buy based on emotion. Mm. And then they use logic later to justify right. the purchase. Right. Okay. 
So maybe I do have, maybe some of those sales skills do spill over. Mm. And what you think is being flirty is just, I'm just being me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could be, you know, it's funny because, you know, Josh Carey, who, who you're friends with as well, he, I call him flirty too. So I'm using it in an affectionate way because I say he flirts with guys as well, you know, because he's so friendly. And, and okay. I do it too, where, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my manhood to compliment a good looking person when I see one, if it's a man or a woman. Oh, yeah, 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 say, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, hey, how is it? How is it walking around being so handsome, Cardwell? Or, you know, it's 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 just part of our personality, right? It's yeah, like, it's like, hey, Josh, are you a star? Yeah. You say twinkle, twinkle, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I, I'm so glad you brought up sales because since you, you're you an expert pretty much in sales, you've been doing it for a long time. What are some of the strategies you can, you know, I'm always learning new strategies, reading books on how to, how to, how to be a better salesperson. What are some tips you can give me or the audience on, on, like, I love that. What's the real objection? How do I get to the root of it? And how do I deal with it before it's even asked? Well, in sales, basically, what, you, what I'm trying to learn is, uh, what do you need? What is it? What do you need? How can I help you? All right. Um, you know, a book, the book that I'm reading next is The Go-Giver. That's next mm-hmm. on my list. Oh, that is funny. Did, you, did Josh mention that one? Uh, no, but, you know, I follow you guys. He interviewed that guy recently. I follow yeah. you guys. I know he did. Yeah, yeah. I want to read it, too. I haven't read it either. What I find, and this is slightly off the top, but what I find interesting is that so much of the things that these people write about now and so much of what these uh, motivational speakers use, it comes straight out of Scripture, Eric. Mm. It comes straight out of Scripture. Wow. All right? Uh, and basically, people just take the mention of Jesus or God out of it and serve it back to us. And we're sitting there thinking, wow, that's deep. That's really deep, you know? But, you know, we're told in Scripture, you have to give to receive. Okay, you're told in Scripture about investing your money. Don't just bury your money or just spend your money. You have to invest the money. Mm-hmm. Just so many things come out. Wow. And, but then you turn around and, and listen to these guys. Robbins, uh, Zig Ziglar, mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about uh, uh, the more you do for people, how uh, they'll eventually, uh, I forget his exact quote now. But anyway, it, it's so much of it is based in scripture. Yeah. So reading books like uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, you know, saving 10% of every dollar you make, mm-hmm. it's straight out of scripture, dude. So what I'm learning is go back to some of these old books. Mm. You know, we don't need to these new authors serving it, serving this stuff to us in this new language and things. It's already out yeah. there. How to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. Okay, Norman Vincent Peale, a lot of great books. Uh, Napoleon Hill, a lot of great books. Now they were they were uh, published in the 30s and the 20s, but that stuff still holds up. The stuff in the scriptures still holds yeah. up, dude. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So just take it back to the source. So the go giver, I'm interested. Because, uh, you know, after hearing him on the podcast, I'm thinking, okay, well, I know where that comes from, but I'm interested in, in hearing the spin yeah. that he's putting on. Yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking, too, it's probably, I love the, uh, the Richest Man in Babylon because it just reminds me, you know, you, you can't keep eating your seed. Mm-hmm. You have to save yeah. something. You, know? right. you have to save something and then you can invest it. Uh, just simple stuff, 10%. Just put it aside. Every dollar you get, you can hold back a dime. Yeah, um, just simple stuff. And it's like, wow, yeah. it goes right back to scripture. It does, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I should spend more time on, on that. Yeah. yeah. 
It's funny because I've never connected that the way you, you especially the way you put it, you know, it's it, it go, go back to the source where it's originally coming from. And I think the way these folks have success in regurgitating, you know, old, you know, scripture is they're putting it, like you said, in, in, in modern day language, they're, they're, they're creating it in a way that's easier for the, for, for today's audience to digest, but it's yeah. all the same stuff. It's just, well, that's yeah. just it for so many people. This is new. Yeah. And like I said, we, these, these people are just taking God and Jesus out of mm-hmm. it and they serve it right back to you. And everybody's yeah. just so impressed. With this thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You know, but if, if if mom kept you in church mm. and you kept hearing this stuff over and over, you kind of recognize it. It's like, yeah, you know, I wasn't paying attention when I was a kid, <laughs> but, you know, I know I've heard this somewhere before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Yeah. It's good stuff. So so let us know, uh, what, what what is it that you're working on right now? How, how are you serving, you know, your community and uh, and your clients and customers? Uh, how, how can they reach you and, and, and work with you? Okay, well, one of the things I'm doing is I'm I'm looking at, I've just bought a property in a up and coming area in Trenton. And I'm looking at this block. There are a lot of houses that could use redevelopment mm. on this. So I'm gonna use this first one to see how it goes. I'm, it's gonna take a complete renovation. But my thinking right now is maybe I can just take this whole block mm. house by house yes. all right, and renovate these properties and put them back on the market. Mm-hmm. So that's my focus right now. Great idea. Okay, my, for the redevelopment company. Um, as far as how can people reach me? Well, you could, honestly, you could go to cardwellthaxton.com. You could go to cardwellthaxton or cardwellbymyhouseplease.com. Mm-hmm. That's uh, for people who are looking for someone to uh, take a house off of their hands. Yeah. Or, or just Google me. I mean, there's so many ways to reach me. My, my appraisal business is, is called Titan Right Real Estate Valuation. If it's tight, it's right. <laughs> so, I uh, but I think the easiest thing to do is just Google my name and, and take the links from there. Yeah. I'm on uh, Twitter as Nappy Head. I'm on uh, LinkedIn as Cardwell Thaxton. Yeah. Um, I'm out there. Just remember my name. It will be easy yeah. to find me. I love the the, the nappy head Twitter handle. Meanwhile, you've shaved your head. There's no there's no more nappy head in there. <laughs> but yeah, that's good stuff. And I love the idea of developing an entire street or neighborhood because, well, you have to name it Thaxton Avenue or something like that. But it's like it's like the game of Monopoly. Once you get control of an area, now you you can sort of dictate the market and 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 what rents go for. Okay, I hadn't thought about it in that light. My thinking was uh, affordable housing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's uh, but dictating. I like. I like the idea of dominating. Yeah, I do like monopoly. that idea. I like that word, <laughs> domination. Or cash flow game. Yeah. yeah. Cash flow game. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I do like that. Yes. That's good stuff. But yeah, awesome. Always great having a conversation with you. Hopefully, you'll come into the studio. Got some goods for you. We got some some fun stuff for you. And we'll have to do that. You say on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah every Wednesday. Just drop in. Drop in the studio. You're not far. And then, uh, I had to come get my book. Yeah, come and get your book and, and whatever else we have floating around. <laughs> yeah, always, always great. And uh, hopefully we'll get to, to do our, our regular monthly meetups again soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Eric. Eric, it's been big fun, man. Yeah, always, always a pleasure, Cardwell. Everyone out there, please check the show notes, Cardwell Thaxton Group. 
and Titan Wright Real Estate, all of that good stuff. Just Google him. He's dominating all the pages on Google. So <laughs> thanks again, Carwell. I'll talk to you soon. Take care of yourself, man. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Yeah.